0: So let's get then into our conversation for this hour looking at the National Lotteries Commission. Anybody, if you listen to this station, if you read, uh, you know newspaper, news website from time to time, you'd be aware of the investigations that have been taking place into the National Lotteries Commission over allegations of graft, money that was supposed to go to benefit community projects that has allegedly been squandered, and in some instances has been spent to prop up the life of certain individuals. Today, we're joined by two people that have worked within different divisions of the NLC and were whistleblowers. And we'll talk about how they were dealt with as a result of the work they did. Let me welcome firstly Silo Kena, who is a whistleblower, also former project manager for the NLC. Silo, good morning to you.
1: Good morning, Cathy.
0: How are you? I'm um, well, thank you. Thank, you. Like? Th- thank yeah. you so much for making uh, the time to be part of this conversation. Mzukisi Makate, also a whistleblower, former lawyer at the NLC. Mzukisi, good morning to you.
2: Good morning, Cathy. Thank you
0: for having me. Silla, let, let me begin with you and uh, talk about a little bit of your journey with the NLC. You've had a long back and forth, you know, an organization that you were initially employed with. You were dismissed the first time for having raised questions around um, issues that you thought were suspicious, uh, successfully challenged your case to the CCMA, were reinstated to the NLC, only to be suspended and dismissed again for raising questions around Um, contracts that you thought were irregular. It's been a tumultuous journey uh, with the institution, but uh, seemingly you keep going back for more.
1: Yes, Cathy, thank you so much. It's based on the principle of believing that uh, I have to do what is right. And I've been brought up in that way that I must stand for what is right. So it's based on that principle that I have to raise the issues and I was raising this issue not only for me, but for the benefit of South Africans and uh, what NLC stands for in terms of, it's slogan, say, changing lives. So everything that I did, I did in the interest of the community that I was saving, doing projects or being a monitoring and evaluation of aid. So all that goes to say, I did that not for my selfish interest, but to ensure that the country that we live in and the community that are supposed to be beneficiary really get the benefits on the grant thank you
0: at the time that you were raising the, the issues that you had seen it, it, it wasn't at, in a moment where it was seen as favorable to do that. Right now, because you have an SIU proclamation, you have these big investigations. Of course, it's easy for everybody to come out of the woodwork and say, I have information on this, I have information on that. But you are doing it at a time where there was great resistance even to the idea of looking into corruption in this institution.
1: That's correct, Jesse. Everyone who's listening, the listeners, even the employees current of LC, they know the situation then in terms of the employee relations with the employer. And also at that time, I was also a member of the union. I was the chairman of the union. At some stage, we did raise a number of issues, including when we had our match or the first strike at National Lottery, where issues of corruption were raised by the two unions. If everybody could be able to remember that, who were part, who could also be, calling in, that we alerted them that there were issues because of the work that I was doing. I was a monitoring and evaluation officer. As much as the issue that relate to my case is something that I was in allegation or suspicion, but I raised that for the organization to be able to look into and to focus and ensure that it dealt with it, according to, but that never happened. Instead, it was brought a charge against me in terms of the organization looking into the issue that was raised at that moment.
0: How difficult is it, Seloh, to be part of an institution and do what you did, which is raise concerns around wrongdoing where you saw them? It
1: has never been easy, Kathy, but it was worth it because of everything I did. I did earnestly and honestly for the understanding that the organization would be able to look into that and correct. And at the time, I was raising this. I was not even aware that the state of wrongdoing or corruption, it is at what it is, as the reports have revealed, which is information in the public domain. But I was raising mainly because of I was doing my work and I was attached to the community that I was doing work to in terms of ensuring that they get the success out of the project. And I brought that to the attention of the employer as a result of people also from the project raising issues regarding the project that was abandoned, that was not done accordingly, which was linked to certain people within the organization that supposed not to be linked to. And this project, as I'm talking to, is still not yet finished. That was funded a certain amount of money, which is more than 20 million rand, mm. to be able to do that, but that was never finished, was abandoned. As a result of the issues that I raised.
0: In my report i want just to get into some of the intricacies of, of the details uh, a little bit later on in a moment i'll give mzuki an opportunity to also tell us a little bit about his story and and what happened to him as uh as as, as somebody who was working in the nlc and after that dismissed from the organization again for flagging irregularities
2: Hashtag SFM Talking Point.
0: We continue the conversation on the talking point, and actually, quite ironic that uh, Beyond the Headline is going to be doing the special with the NLC later on today, while we have a conversation uh, looking at the whistleblowers that have largely been the target of um, of, of, of 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 just bullying in many ways after having raised questions. So, Mzuki Si, I wanted to give you a chance to tell us your experience, again, as a whistleblower. You also had flagged or or raised questions uh, about a contract that um, was being entered into and monies that were being given, effectively, a grant to an organization that you didn't think qualified.
2: Oh yes, yes, And um, It was just a simple case of, you know, a due diligence in the process of uh, signing off a legal, you know, payment approval. And one could be able to discover that, in fact, the, the project itself did not even qualify to be, you know, uh, approved for funding to begin with. Um, and that project was the Muyelekaya Music Festival that normally takes place in the Eastern Cape. <clears throat> it had been held in Gauteng in terms of all other you know, due diligence processes, but now the end process where I was supposed to be, you know, giving what is called a legal payment approval, I was, I was then, you know, told to effect that payment. And, and I, I actually refused because... Under normal circumstances, any person who deals with projects in the Eastern Cape, that person would deal with the, with the entire um, due diligence process before the last stage of uh, payment approval. So I raised that as a concern first with my uh, uh, manager here in the Eastern Cape, and she understood it first. But later when the you know head office officials came down on her to tell us to approve that payment, she kind of agreed with them later, but I still refused because it was it was it was it was wrong, and um, it was it was irregular, and it was illegal because that organization had, funded with a small organization somewhere in the northwest, to actually run the same program or the same Buyanakaya um, music festival in the Eastern Cape, so that in itself um, was 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 a huge red flag, which should have led to the manager here in the state cap and any other person who understood the legal processes within the National Loteries Commission, um, to have actually raised uh, that as a concern and to refuse to to issue or to effect that payment. But uh, eventually I was I was suspended the very sec- or next, next day after refusing to effect that payment, um, on the pretence that I, you know, was not performing well and my relations with the other employees was not well, you know, just some nonsensical reasons that, you know, I was, I was put on suspension for. Um, and that was the last time I was uh, at the NLC, just because I had raised those issues internally and I had escalated those issues, in fact, up to the ministerial level at the time that they required me to give reasons why I should not be suspended. And I can tell now, then, you know, the then minister or the ministerial office then, you know, did not respond effectively to the matter uh, because the commissioner then, uh, Ms. Mambane, uh, was actually the one who had suspended me while sitting at the head office, never even met me before, um, you know, but she was able to, to to sign off my suspension, and and, and that was it. I, I was I was, I was, I was chucked out of the office. I was told in fact to leave the office with, with immediate effect when the letter, you know, notifying me of my suspension was given to me the following morning. And and, and that was it. I had about uh, five and a half months, you know, uh, five months in fact, when after I had been employed by the National Autonomous Commission. But it was clear uh, that. You know, the processes. There was a confusion of processes and systems, which I thought were deliberately, you know, created to 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 ensure this type of of, of 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 operation, which seemed to me at the time as a well-orchestrated scheme. You know, that repurposed the entire organization. Mm. You know, to effect this particular scheme, because the what is called the proactive funding you know, was done in such a way that you know, the board or certain members within the NLC executive could be able to identify whatever project present that to an acquaintance board uh, that to, you know, just approve that they must be funded even if they have not or they had not submitted any application. And we found that those organizations that were identified were organizations that were identified by individuals from within the, 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 the executive, uh, of the NLC, you know, and have those, you know, hijacked somewhere by their family members and, and and pay off huge amounts of money to mm. those organizations. I,
0: I think... So, you, you know, Mzuki, sorry to interject there, even, yes. even just the concept around proactive funding in and of itself, right, it, it raises so many questions because you can't have a process that um, is simply not subject to any kind of scrutiny. But I'll give you a chance to continue just sure. with some of the flaws that you had identified at the NLC. It's time for the latest news headlines.
2: And Police Minister Pegit Gale has called for swift action to deal with the ongoing killings in the Biji area near Mtata in the Eastern Cape. He and other government ministers paid a visit to the family which lost eight members in two separate incidents at Tanzaga last week. I'll have details on these and other stories at 11. Kathy has your SIFM Market Update.
0: The rand is trading at 17 rand 22 to the dollar, 20 rand 49 to the pound, and 17 rand 22 to the euro. Markets in Asia ended higher, the JC also higher in mid morning trade. Gold is trading at $1,743, platinum $984 per ounce. The price of brent crude oil is at $88.21 a barrel.
1: S F M.
2: Prime time all day long.
0: We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're speaking to whistleblowers uh, who were within the National Lotteries Commission. Both uh, were subsequently. Um, dismissed from their positions in the institution for having raised concerns about what they were seeing. So Mzuki, I didn't realize actually that you had been with the National Lotteries for such a short space of time before you were dismissed. So only five and a half months. Um, How did you find the culture there? you know, what did you make of of the way that things were done, the way in which procedures were followed or or not followed?
2: Yes. Um, Carefully, I had been with the public service for, I think, just over 10 years before I I, I joined the National Literary Commission. Uh, In fact, just before I joined them, I was was with the higher education uh, department. And when I found... You know, what I found there was a, a, a serious culture of fear to confront or to raise issues that relate to, you know, processes, that relate to approval of funding, you know, the entire system. There was this confusion of system, which I thought it was a deliberately, you know, uh, created confusion. And, and, and I found that it was very difficult for officials to, 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 to report wrong to it. Because officials actually understood and they knew that the board or certain members of the board and were actually colluding with certain members of the executive to actually approve wrong funding, to actually approve um, you know wrong payments. So I found that uh, even, if, if, even though they knew what was, was what was happening, they just you know uh, could not raise those things because they feared for their employment, you know they feared victimisation. And I found that to be extremely strange because the entire organization was so silent on this, on, on this wrongdoing. It was just normal. You know, for things just to be referred to, you know, a province who approved without even checking if they had actually qualified to be uh, approved for funding or they qualified to be paid off. So those were the issues that I found. I also found that, in fact, uh, even some members of parliament, Um, were working with certain members of support and certain members within the executive. So whatever project that they were actually, you know, uh, that they had applied for, uh, they would have to be prioritized because they belong to certain members of parliament. So those are the issues that I found, you know, there, and I was told by so many of the employees within uh, the organization that I worked with, and I found it strange that they could not raise these issues. So when I, 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 I found a wrongdoing in the project that I was dealing with, for me, it was normal that uh, this had to be flat and this needed to be corrected. And, and I did exactly as such because, I mean, as I was saying, i had been with the public service for so many years. I'd never been in a situation where I should be fearing to raise issues when I saw anything wrong. But how I was dealt with afterwards, you know, clearly, you know, showed me why those employees were, were, were scared to raise issues, because I was, I, was, I, was, I was dealt with so harshly that I had to leave my employment the following morning, and eventually I was dismissed. You know, I, I remember things that were said about me and how I was so disrespectful and how I was so dishonest and how I was a thief, all sort of allegations were labeled against me. By very senior individuals within that organization. Mm. I mean, even my own supervisor, who I had worked with quite well, you know, who I, you know, been submitting work to, was was also you know, telling a lot of lies because she had to do that to protect what the senior executives were doing. So this thing was a serious collusion between the senior executives who have since resigned from the, the National Motor's Commission
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you know, setting in managers from within the head office. And I dare to say even the provincial manager here in the Eastern Cape then, you know, was, was was roped into this scheme because she could not confront what was wrong. She could not say what was wrong. So in a way, fearing for her job she had to also, you know, be brought into the scheme. Sure, sure. and the the, the scheme. Yeah, so I'm saying that is what I found, uh, and it was it was terrible. It was a terrible state of affairs to have an organisation that is run by iron fist and by fear, and to have an organisation that you know is able to approve so much wrong thing that cost the organisation millions of francs
0: Sello, as somebody who had been at the NLC for longer. What do you have to say about this culture? Because of course, when you were raising concerns about the issues you were picking up, there was an, an opportunity for some of your colleagues to come out and to support you. What did you find the treatment was um, from from within the organization? Thanks, Ah, uh, Like I said, I also had to be in the union.
1: I was also the chairperson of the union at that time. So. Some of the issues trying to do procedurally would raise them in forums wherever we meet with the management. One of the issues that I remember is the issue of the culture on things that management was not doing right. It was also issue of promotion of individuals who are pro or who are supporting some of the things that the management was doing. And as a union, I remember we raised that particular meeting and then we really condemned the manner in which the organization is conducting itself and the management is doing that. But instead, that was dismissed as if nothing has happened. And the management at that time felt clearly that they've got the prerogative to promote whoever they wish to based on what is happening. And later, within that, we we, we tried at all costs to try to, at certain platforms, to engage the management to ensure that we change the culture on how things are done and raise issues. But that was dismissed because of, like uh, my colleague said, that. There was that culture of fear that was uh, brought in within the organization. If you are being open and talk about issues, you'll be dealt with in a particular way. So, but we believed and myself and others that we need to keep on trying and raise issues and deal with issues as they come and be able to make management away. So, the issue specifically to issue of projects that we not do working well or relating to what my colleagues already said. And that also that i also reported that was in the kuruma whereby the project funding project was funded and then when you raise issues i raised the issue to my manager whom i was thinking that based on that in terms of the uh, edge or in terms of the proclamation he's supposed to have maybe reported further to ensure that either investigation is done or or the. but that was not that instead that issue now is brought to you to say how that happened because of based on my incident I, based on what has happened, I saw that this was not happening in terms of correcting the issue. So I made a point that I took that information outside. Hence, we could have what we have in today because of I then made a contact with a, a journalist outside who said, "If nothing is done within the organisation to correct what I've raised, then somebody must report this to the media, or I'll report this to the media." Which is something that was not, and they only acted once they saw things were out in the media. And then uh, the report being written based on facts. And they still dismissed that for a long time until proclamation by the president was done, whereby a full investigation by CSIU and all that is happening which we see. But all that was raised a long time, and then nothing was done by the management of that time. And that they know. And even the current board, which we appreciate the work that they are doing, they have seen that. It was a failure the part of the management mm-hmm. to look at issues and deal with them as they arise, and they did as if nothing was happening.
0: I want to talk about the modus operandi, right? What are the general patterns that you observed around how funds would be distributed to companies that were seemingly not deserving of of those funds? Mzukisi, let me come to you and then Silo, I'll also give you a chance to answer that question. Okay. okay, thank you.
2: Yes, I think the first one is what I was talking about, you know, the proactive funding route, um, which is in actual fact was a, a, a an amendment that was done around 2015. And when that amendment came in, then it opened a, a an avenue, you know, for the corrupt elements within the organization to be able to use that route to identify projects so that they can be able to channel funds through those projects, and because the criteria, you know, was not clear as to what the criteria was to identify these projects that were said to be worthy, you know, of funding even if they had not submitted applications for funding. So that was one route that was being used, which actually was being used effectively to to to, to prop up this particular scheme, because so much money. You know, was lost, you know, from the organization as a result of this particular, you know, okay. route, which is the proactive funding route. I think the second one was the 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 hijacking of the national of of the NGOs uh, by certain elements that were working with uh, agents, certain elements from within the organization that were working with agents from the outside, identify a certain organization and make sure that you you hijack those organizations by actually assisting them to get funding from the National Notaries Commission. And then once they get that particular fund, then you are able to take, you know, a big chunk of that money and leave them with, with, with crumbs. You know, so that they can be able to say they were funded by the National Local Commission. So that was another route that was being used that we, we observed.
0: So, so, um, so, 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 Mr. Kisi, yeah. this hijacking of NGOs, is it yeah. conversations that would take place um, with either uh, employees at the NLC, executives, those that were benefiting, who would go to certain NGOs and say, look, um, you are a candidate for x amount of money we will give you this grant on condition that um, you give us if it's 5 million rand you give us 2 million rand and you stay with 3 million yes is, is that how it yes. happened
2: yes that, that's what, that's that's exactly how it happened okay. the 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 the, 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 the catching is such that the outside uh, 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 agent would seem to have someone working with him from within the National Rotary Commission. And then they approach that particular organization for funding and they would say we'll get this X amount of percentage, then this is how much you'll get. Sometimes they don't even tell them the exact amount that they can be able to get from the National Rotary Commission. And then when that money comes, it goes to the bank account that will only report to the agent as to how much money that has come through and then the agent will then take whatever amount that they feel um, they, they deserved, and then they will then give what is left to that organization, which under normal circumstances will be a very small amount that goes to those uh, 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 organizations. and the big chunk goes to this individual who is an agent. And what is, has what is emerged is that, you know, certain lawyers, for instance, uh, in, in Joburg and in, 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 in Limpopo, you know, we're working with, you know, highly ranked officials within the National Hotel Commission to do exactly this type of thing. You know, and, and 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 we are still awaiting the day when the SIU brings these matters before court so that they can be properly ventilated. But what has emerged as a picture was that there are certainly or highly placed individuals within the executives of the National Hotel Commission were working with these individuals from the outside to actually defraud if I may put it like that, well, that to me was a fraud, to actually defraud these uh, small NGOs uh, into, into millions of friends. And and that's the picture that is emerged, uh, as, as I was saying. So we are really waiting to see how is this going to And We have seen some of these individuals implicated resigning. Uh, we hope that um, with the new board that has come on, on board, um, they will follow them to the letter, you know, to ensure that even their pensions they are they are frozen. Mm. So that whatever that they have stolen, um, you know, if they have stolen anything, that can be recovered eventually through their pension. because they cannot be let loose now because the information has, has surfaced that there's much that really needs to be looked at in as far as they are conducting their operations from within. So I'm I'm, I'm saying you know, with the new port and the zeal that the port has shown, I think we are happy with that. We really want to see it doing its work without any hindrances from anyone. We also want to support the board. We still want to talk to the port. We have not even had the opportunity to speak to them. Um but we would believe as individuals that we're the first ones to raise these issues within the National Authorities Commission. We had suffered as a result of which we, we expect uh you know to have an ear with the port. So that we can also give more information in terms sure. of how we understood this mm-hmm. to have happened. As I was saying that there was the entire repurposing of the organization, you know, for this particular scheme, which seemed to not care about anything else, not the law, not the, the policies, you know, not even corporate governance principles. They were just doing as they pleased. They treated that organization as if it it was their own, you know, kitchen, you know, where they could cook whatever they want and eat it at the time that they wanted. So okay. it is a serious, you know, issue that the board the current board really need to look at so that we recover whatever that was stolen from these individuals that we involved.
0: Uh, that sir. is very, very important. Sure. Uh, Silo, so one of the matters that you raised concerns about would ultimately not only lead to this investigation that is taking place by the SIU but also a case that has now become really prominent, which involves the former NLC boss, that is Tabang Charlotte Mambani, several lawyers, including actress Terry Peto. What was it about that case that? you had found to be particularly irregular? Because w- when we look at the amounts of, of monies that are, are being spoken about here, I, I mean, it's just, it's un, it, it, you know, it's unimaginable, right? You're talking about luxury properties, luxury houses that have been, um, you know, basically uh, that, 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 that have been put under curatorship of the SIU while these investigations take place. Thank you Katie. Uh, I believe that it's the process
1: or the outcome of the work that FIU has done based on the issues that were raised about maladministration uh, mal- administration and the number of authentication that now have been done and based on that finding of the ICU now they have found those people to be uh, uh, been having Something to do with projects or monies that were supposed to be of the beneficiary, and that is the work that has been by S I U. But my role when I was National Lottery have raised what I have raised. The S I U, on this work, they have discovered even more than what we have talked about because of now it was a chain of corrupt activities based on number of grants that has been distributed to beneficiaries over a period of time on number of activities and projects. And the SIU investigations, based on the proclamation of the president, they have now extended and looked at all levels, and they found that the road is not only where or maybe issues that were raised based on maybe the reports that we did when I was a notary, but now they have done the full scale, whereby now many people have been linked to certain wrongdoing and then now this SIU work that has revealed all that. What I can also say is that the manner in which the funding of NRC was done before or prior to practice funding, people who are working in the monitoring and evaluation section or which they will be able to go and do a pre-funding assessment, be able to see the readiness of the organization, to see that this organization, is it ready to be able to accept funding? Is test systems in place? Can it be able to run the project? That was done effectively. And there were certain questions, which the grant management system of the organization, then, which is called GMS, what was having back And you be able, as a M&E officer, be able to pull up that and be able to go to the organization and assess that to see that this organization is giving $20 million. Does it have capacity to work with continue in mm. terms of the staff, in terms of the competency expertise? All
0: right. And whether is, that is project lot... can be
1: worked in a way. L- yeah.
0: L- let me interject a little bit there. Um, I'll give you a chance to continue after this quick break.
1: The Talking
2: Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
0: We continue the conversation talking to the individuals that today are called whistleblowers for the work that they have done in raising awareness around corruption and irregular activities taking place at the National Lotteries Commission. So, Silo, I I want to come back to you and just give you a chance to talk about, you know, yes, part of the, 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 the concerns that you had raised have now been linked to of course much bigger investigations but when we look at the sheer value of monies being spoken about here it's tens of millions of rands in some instances that seem to have gone towards funding people's lifestyles did you get an impression of that while you were still at the nlc that this is what was happening
1: Yes, we had a suspicion, but as, like I said, being a member of the union then or member of the organization, I understood that if I raise issues, I have to substantiate that with evidence whatsoever. You could see, but things are not, but you couldn't be able to raise whatsoever until I had to come to issues that was relating to the work that I was doing, which I raise now about a project which was supposed to have, The community which was given 20 million, but the work that was done there was less than even five million, and then it was deserted and abandoned. People were not uh, being taken care of and raised concerns. And even even at that time, like I indicated, that the culture if you raise issues or you want to talk about issues, you're supposed to be substantiated with other than to be labeled as an outcast or someone who's really uh, uh, not well, and mean, the face of you be able to be dismissed or. Uh, suffer the consequences that we've already gone through. So that was the culture. So every time you have to cover something, you have to suspicion. But indeed, members of the staff during that time, they had their own uh, way of seeing things and they had suspicion. Because if I remember at a particular time, the memorandum was written whereby members of the staff already didn't want to be mentioned, raised allegations of corruption around certain issues. And that uh, uh, the management dismissed because of they knew that they were colluding and they were doing this and this wanted this to be known or to be seen. Mm. And anyone who was talking about it was dealt with according to being. they bring the catch of fear within the organization. So people will refuse to raise any issue if they see something the idea is they have not seen anything right. or they've not heard anything. Mm. And they can attest to that. But after the investigation of the SIU and the proclamation has come forth Many staff members are now free because we have managed to break through the wall of Jericho that was there within the culture of the convention. Just was showing the insidious dominance of fear that was there within the convention. So even today, members of staff are still able to share light in other things that we have seen and then that. Giving that information to journalists or to other institutions to be able to ensure that the road is dark, deep, and that... It's taken care of. That's what I can say, it.
0: We're edging towards the end of this conversation. Mzukisi, I wanted to ask you what has it cost you to be known as a whistleblower? What did you have to sacrifice for that? Um,
2: well, just like any other whistleblower, you, it will tell you the same thing, You lose everything, by the way. Um, you lose everything, you, you even lose your, familiar, your familial bonds, you know, uh, because it's, it's, you, you eventually have problems in your own family, you know, um, your kids can you know, pay school fees. You, you know, you, I mean, I'm telling basic things that should be taken care of. They, they lose their medical aid. I'm just talking about people that are dependent on you. Your extended family, you know, you, you lose quite a lot. You lose everything, Um you have to hold on to your insanity. That's just, you know, the level of, of loss that you you, you suffer eventually. I'm not in such a writing lesson, but you you are left with your sanity to hold on because everything just 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 falls, you know, um, away. Uh, but that is the story for the entire. And, um, you know, we feel, some of them have lost even their lives in the process. So you still feel grateful that you still have your life. Um, but having lost your livelihood, you know, having to go, you know, to the lands that you had never gone before in trying to survive. So I'm just saying this is just the, the, the bigger picture of what one would lose once you become the whistleblower, But you always know that it is something that is worth being done. Because if you don't do it, who else will do? Mm. Uh, Because it is something that has to be done, as what uh, my my, my fellow uh, colleagues were saying, that you have to do the right thing. It's as simple as that, but it is not as simple when it comes to doing it. Because many people, they know what is right and they know what needs to be done, but they would rather not do it because of the consequences that one will suffer as a result. So it is it is something that really needs to be propagated from the highest office of this country. Because I always say without the whistleblowers there is no effective way that we can be able to fight corruption in this country. So you need to make sure that from the highest office of the president, otherwise even I, I read something proposing to the president that you had created so many commissions within the president. Why not create a commission on whistle government ensuring the protection and the support of whistle? Because that is the most effective way of fighting corruption. Because if we have an army of, of whistleblowers, it becomes difficult for you to to, to, to to victimize, to persecute, and to kill them. Because now you've got a whole number of, you know, a whole society, you know, becoming whistleblowers. You don't have individuals who are labeled as impi-impi and, and all of that, mm-hmm. in terms of the old language. But now you know that even the entire society is able to come behind whoever, you know, uh, becomes a whistleblower. And the, the whistleblowing becomes a norm in our society.
0: All right. Mzuki so Z- I'm Z- saying
2: that's the president of our country that should be able to lead that, that, that
0: type of revolution. Mzugisi mm-hmm. Makadze, let me thank you for your time in this hour. As well, both of these men having been behind whistleblowing that took place at the National Lotteries Commission. As you heard, they paid gravely for having exposed that corruption when it comes to their own personal lives and how they were affected.